Special Spoko Radio. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, is Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how's it going? Last dance. Last dance tonight. What's up, buddies? Jer's been dancing all day. With us also is the People's Champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you grooving? Oh, I'm just wonderful. I don't know how much I needed that in my life. That was just (laughs) such a wonderful two hours. I haven't been happier in weeks. And we have another special guest, the guy you hear so much about during our regularly recorded podcasts. It's our good buddy, Z. Z, welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening? What's up, guys? It's an honor to be on here. Hopefully you can't hear my heart beating right now. I'm so excited. So let's <laughs> do this. So like I said at the top, it's a very special Spoko Radio, and not because Z's joining us. It is because the ESPN decided to drop the last dance early and give us all Bulls fans, something to really gnaw our teeth on in this time without any basketball. So we figured we'd hop on. We we're going to talk about this as a, as a group of four after the after it aired. We figured why not record it, put it as a podcast, and let you guys all enjoy our thoughts as we get into it. So I'll start with a very simple question. Jerry, I'll start with you because you came out of the gate swinging before I hit the record button. What are your initial thoughts after the first two parts of The Last Dance? My initial thoughts are that it wasn't as like fast paced and riveting as I was hoping. And I don't necessarily, I know that it's a slow burn. I know there's 10 hours, but I think that there was so much anticipation and listen, like you guys all know this. I've said it before. Happiness is all about expectations. My expectations were sky high. I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast after Z told me to go listen to it with the, uh, the, the producer and all the footage that he talked about that they got. I just wished I saw more of that. I wanted more gut, like gut punch Michael instead of like the 84, 85 Michael. And I think I'm still trying to figure out how to digest that. We got the people's champ shaking his head, looking very disgusted here on Skype. Champ, why don't you explain to Jerry why this was still a great, very great setup to what should be a great other eight more parts. I mean, Jerry has had some bad takes on this podcast, but this is one of his worst again. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you got, you have to get people excited throughout the whole pod, the whole show. You can't just fucking blow your load in the first two episodes and then nobody's going to want to watch. You have to get them excited. You have to get them going. And there were plenty of great clips throughout this entire episode. And it was awesome. I don't know what more you could have wanted. You got to have some backstory. I like the back and forth with Jordan, you know, his high school days, his days at North Carolina with Dean Smith. I don't know how you couldn't like that. Looking back at Scotty's, you know, light, you know, childhood, having 12 brothers and sisters in the same house and having to come from that and making it all the way to the NBA and being one of the best players of all time. I mean, it was just one, it was everything I wanted and more. That's my initial thoughts. If they did 40 hours of coverage, I would watch it. I mean, I can't wait until next week. I'm, you know, excited and sad that we have to wait a whole other week to watch this again. But it was everything I wanted and more. So, Jer, absolutely horseshit take to start the show. (laughs) See, I normally have to be the one that breaks up highs on this podcast. But I'm going to give that responsibility to you this week. Are you are you satisfied for the first two? Are you let down a little bit? Are you up to the expectations as Jay was talking about? What were your initial thoughts after night one of the last? Yeah, days? 
Yeah, I think as often as our friendship goes, Dave is on champs on one side, Jerry is on the other, and I'm somewhere in the middle, right? So I think there's a lot of good things about they've got great interviews. They got great behind the scenes. But I do sort of lean towards Jer a little bit on this one where the buildup was so high and I'm very worried that they can't land this plane. Ten hours is a lot, right? So eight more episodes of this, like, are we is it gonna be stretched a little bit? That's the only thing. I don't think I think the content is great. I think it's super exciting, but I'm worried that it's not gonna be able to sustain this level of quality the entire time i think that's fair i think that again shows why the four of us when we are together we tend to argue because i am with champ on this so we're we're split down the middle two and two this was absolutely great you have to set up you have to lay the groundwork to get into the really really good stuff everything that we've read we've heard we've seen about what this is going to be has our expectations at the highest level setting you have to understand that there has to still be a setup there there are things that we all talked about even when we were texting during this. Our wives all probably are very unplugged to all of this. And there's a lot of people like that watching this. They have to have this set up. They have to go back and rehash things that the four of us and a lot of other diehard sports fans are going to know. So it's going to be a little bit slower to get into it. Jared, what do you want? So I, I just think, first of all, Champ, of course, makes it seem like I hated the entire thing. <laughs> Don't give me. This was still one of the two best hours of quarantine that I've had. So the, they like, should have been be, the two best. Well, I mean, I love enjoy spending time with my dog and my wife, but okay, that's fine. I, you go, you go, you <laughs> dig your own grave. Don't chance. we all? I mean, let's be. Listen, serious. listen. You go way too far in one direction, but the thing that I guess now I'm trying, like again, I told you, I'm still digesting it. I'm starting to think that maybe the 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 actual footage they had didn't have as much drama as we all thought was coming because like once Scotty comes back, what did this team do? They just dominated again. So I think that maybe the footage isn't that great. So this is why they're stretching it out and adding the back end stuff to the, all the extra footage they had. Did you, did you, this forget? is called the last dance, by the way, the last Correct. dance. I thought but, I was watching. You, I know that he didn't get much run in this first two episodes here, but did you forget that Dennis Robbins on this team? Yes, drama yeah. Drama to follow. Next week's episode is focused on Dennis Rodman with, you know, episode three. So, and if right. you want some more content, you're going to get it next week with Dennis. Then what? We're going to go into Ron Harper and Luke Longley's great stories? I Judge mean, as long as, as long as we don't have to hear another common story throughout this entire thing, I'll be <laughs> happy because that was horse shit. All right. Let's I don't know how to spell Michael. Come on, Common. I mean, you're a professional. You don't need to learn how to spell. He rhymed everything going in an All-Star weekend. He probably has to write it all down. He probably is a terrible speller. Um, all right, let's go. Let's drill down a little bit specifically into things that we've noticed from the first two episodes tonight. Give me something either you learned that you didn't know, something that stuck out to you, a quote, a like a moment, a scene, whatever. Go around the horn, champ. We'll start with you. Anything that stuck out to you most memorable from the first two first two hours. So the thing to me that stuck out the most, I knew Scotty was underpaid, but I didn't know how gravely underpaid he was. The sixth highest paid player on that team and the 122nd highest paid player in the NBA. That to me is shocking. And I understand he signed the contract, you know, seven years prior, but there's something there that you need to renegotiate and you need to give him a little bit more money there. That's embarrassing. I mean, for a guy like Scottie Pippen that was arguably at that time a top five player in the NBA to be making $2.9 million, that's laughable, and it makes the Bulls organization look like shit. 
So that was something that I I knew, like I said, that he was underpaid, but I didn't know to that magnitude. Let's div let's dig into Scotty a little bit because I think the second episode at the very end made him look like a, a like a bad guy. The way he cursed out Jay Cross on the bus, went after the team, was holding out, chose to have surgery right before the start of the season versus at the beginning of the summer. Jer, where are you at with with Scotty and things that you've seen in the first second episode tonight versus how you thought of Scotty up until like as, as as a kid growing up, like Scotty was my favorite player. Like I, I know that like Jordan, of course, like he was the idol. He was the God. He was his Aaroness. But Scotty to me was the guy that I always resonated with that I enjoyed watching the most. Um, and you would hear stories as a kid, like the no tipping Pippin thing, or like some of your friends would tell you that like Scotty's not a good dude because her dad said something or another. And like, I just always kind of shrugged that off. But now like, I'm kind of being pulled in that same direction. Like maybe Scotty was kind of just like a, a little bit of a shit. And then recently what's with what's happened with him getting fired with the bulls organization for him wanting more money after just berating the team over and over again, Scotty just seems conflicted. And I think as an adult, I'm, I'm trying to delve into his mindset more. Um, so yeah, I'm having a hard time with Scotty right now, but I'm having a hard time with this thing. Cause I don't even like this, this documentary of champs going to speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> Z, where are you at? Z, where are you at with Scotty after seeing the way he was paid in terms of compared to the rest of the NBA and uh, how he treated the Bulls from ownership and even his teammates, leaving his teammates out in the cold at the start of the season out while with him choosing to rehab his his surgery. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to to see um you know growing up when you're a fifth grader watching the Bulls and you think. They're the best team in the world and they're all best friends and everything is going so smoothly and they all love each other. And now seeing the different personalities and the different people and you really see the behind the scenes about how big of an asshole Michael Jordan is. He's the greatest basketball player of all time, but he's also an asshole. And, it, and did he have to be an asshole to be the greatest basketball player? Maybe. But when it comes to Scotty, I, I think going into his family and his kind of the, the struggles his dad had having a stroke and his brother in a wheelchair, you see how much that influenced him throughout his career, right? He, he, he wanted that long-term security. He took a terrible deal. Did he have an agent? Did, was that agent still an agent after Scotty signed that deal? Cause I don't think he was. I think he was. Oh, do you know who, do you know whose agent it was? Who? College football power agent, Jimmy Sexton. Interesting. Didn't know that. So the man who is negotiating Nick Saban's yearly raise to become the highest paid head coach in college football negotiated the, arguably worst contract in the NBA history for Scottie Pippen in 1991. I mean, he so might I, have, he might have been getting more money for Nick Saban in a one-year deal than he got in Scotty's entire fucking Bulls career. I mean, <laughs> like, good job, Jimmy. You learn how to do it a little bit better as you grew older in the industry, I guess. Do you think Jerry Reinsdorf really told Scottie Pippen that he shouldn't sign that deal? Yes. That's a great, I, great segue into Jerry Reinsdorf. If you're Jerry Reinsdorf and you tell Scotty he shouldn't sign this deal, but also say, if you do sign this, don't come back to me because I will not renegotiate. I think we struggle with this as not keeping Z out of it because he's not the White Sox fan part of this group. But Jerry Reinsdorf runs the rest of the show's collective sports fandom a lot of the times with owning the White Sox and the Bulls. And we run into this quite a bit. But where are you at with Jerry Reinsdorf, Jer? Where, how are you feeling with the way he's handling things and seeing him come out play in public 
by telling telling Scottie Pippen don't come back and renegotiate. Is that the right move? Listen, Jerry Reinsdorf, if you didn't come away with this knowing what Jerry Reinsdorf cares about, then like you need to go back and rewatch it. Jerry Reinsdorf is a businessman, and all he cares about is the financials. He's a spreadsheet guy. Like, yes, I know that like we joke around saying that he cares more about baseball, and as long as baseball and, and the White Sox are winning, that the Bulls can kind of subdue themselves. But the, the, the fact that he was continuously – waving off Jerry Krause in that final season because Jordan was still on the team just shows you like he knew that blowing it up wasn't the right choice for the financial part of the business. And I do kind of believe Jerry Reinsdorf did tell these guys not to sign the deal. And I think that's why he has his policy. He probably gives them very good business advice. And when they either take it or don't take it, that's he wipes his hands clean. And I'm, sh- which is a weird thing to know that your owner goes against what your GM's trying to get done at certain points. If do you think, and this is for anybody who wants to, because it's just a spur of the moment thought here. But if if there's another GM who was a little bit more compassionate, went to Jerry Reinsdorf and said, you know what, probably should look at renegotiating Scotty's deal. Maybe give him an extension, something that pays him more fairly what he's worth. Does Jerry Reinsdorf still say tell that person no? I don't think so. I think Jerry, our Jerry is discussing Jerry Reinsdorf and the fact that he's only a businessman. I don't agree with that. I mean, you saw it before the season. He had to go to Phil Jackson. He had to talk to Phil Jackson himself to get Phil Jackson to come back because Krause wouldn't do it because Krause was too proud. He wouldn't go to Phil because he thought Phil was getting all the credit and the players were getting all the credit. Jerry Reinsdorf knew what this team needed, and it was Phil Jackson, because he knew MJ and Scotty and all these guys wouldn't play for anybody else besides Phil. That may be about money, yes, that's true, but he knew what this team needed, and he knew they should get the chance to compete to win their sixth title, to win their third in a row, and when it came down to it, he did exactly that. But, Champ, if Jerry Reinsdorf knows this, why does he side with Jerry Krause and say this is a backs that this is the last year for Phil Jackson, basically saying this is also the last year for Michael Jordan, who publicly was backing Phil Jackson? Because Jerry Reinsdorf hired Jerry Krause to do a job, and you can't undermine that guy's job when he, you hire him to be the GM and to run the team. He just did. If, he just did, if, though. Well, <laughs> he did for it. one year, but you, you're not going to have a very good working relationship if you're going to continue then to do that. fire the GM. You can keep the guy who— I'm I'm not saying he shouldn't have fired the GM, but we all know Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't fire people. So, I mean, that's the problem. (laughs) This is the problem. He's a very loyal man, Jerry is. I mean, this goes to the the thing that I've taken away. My biggest takeaway, the thing I learned, was the Bulls, A, had a love affair with Iowa State before Gar Foreman, when when Jerry Krause was going fishing with Tim Floyd, and B, it's a vicious cycle. Between Jerry Krause trying to get into a fight for Michael Jordan's minutes, you go John Paxson being the one to rehash the story. It was hilarious because you go back 25 years later, who's the one choking out his head coach for playing Joe King Noah over his minutes? It's John Paxson as the general manager. The Bulls are just a vicious cycle of, of history that it just constantly repeats itself, only we don't get the Michael Jordan part ever again. And that was my biggest takeaway is that John Paxson not having any self-awareness to be the one who has to rehash the story of – a GM going after the coach for a minute restriction and then being the guy who choked out his head coach. All right. I have a question. I have a question for you guys that are, so Jerry Reinsdorf is being like a traditional owner. He's owned both the White Sox and the Bulls for a long time. Do you think that you judge him unfairly because he's like a more traditional owner that treats a sports team like a business? 
as opposed to some of these owners that are buying NFL and NBA teams now. That's more like I'm a rich person. Look at this. Look, it's it's more of a pride and ego thing. Yes, 100% I do, because there's things about him running the business that like it just doesn't seem to connect with people our age and younger and the people that are going to start having money and need to go to the basketball games to, to, to create a winner. Like Chance the Rapper and Common are sitting there laughing at your team at All-Star Weekend. Those should be the ambassadors, not Scottie Pippen. And it just those are the types of things that owners now, like if we had a Barack Obama slash Oprah ownership team, like you'd have people in the crowd. You'd have a Jack Nicholson sitting on courtside. We have a lot of celebrities and people from Chicago that aren't embracing this team. And I do believe that's be partly because of Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, look what Chance the Rapper did with just the hat incident on the other side of town with the White Sox. That is a big thing. And like when you don't embrace the culture within the city of the young people that are going to be buying your stuff, I think that is part of the problem. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I mean, it, it, it's he, he runs things like a, a spreadsheet at times, and that it, it disengages from the fans. I don't think he does it all the time, though. You, Jerry think that this is like all he does. He only cares about money. I don't agree with that. I think change it does happened come- this year. Why? I mean, change happened this year because it was time to start spending money on this team for the white Sox, And he did that. So, no, not the, the white Sox. not the white Sox. not the white Sox. Oh, I, well, he owns both teams. So you can't just have it one way or the other. Okay. okay but to answer Jerry's question, things started changing because the fans stopped showing up. We all oh, I can attest to that. I worked there. I go every fucking game and they were coming. See, did you so, have yeah. a good time going to the UC when we all went together? Uh, well, outside of Zach Levine waving him, waving off that screen <laughs> and taking a contested too. Yeah, I had a great time. That's <laughs> because we were together. Um, real quick, I'm kind of thinking like I'm piecing this together. Do you think Scotty and Jerry hated each other? As much as they did and they got into this tiff that I'm hoping we get more of and actually like actual footage of him like talking shit to Jerry Krause because they both had a, they were both mentally in the same spot where they both wanted more accolades for the stuff that they do. Scotty being on the court and wanting the money side of things like Jordan's getting $33 million a year. Scotty's getting one point, whatever it was. Krause is upstairs. He's the one that's made all these trades. They talked about it in the, in the second episode, the deals that he made to acquire a guy like Scotty to bring in Tony to get Phil to come up. None of that happens about Jared. Do you think both of them, they really had a lot more in common than they we anybody wanted to give them credit for? I do. I think it, I think that's a great point. I think especially for Scotty, I think he talks about how he took that deal and he was happy with taking it when he did. So I don't really know if he felt that he was underpaid. I feel like he just needed more acknowledgement for everything he does. Yeah. Imagine and I think the stuff making 33 million telling you like, Hey, you're fucking our team. <laughs> well, right. But like, even like think of like the Jordan interviews during this, during these first two things, he was talking about like, people need to associate Scotty with me. Like I wouldn't have won championships without Scott. Like he, Jordan admits that he wouldn't have won championships without Scotty mm-hmm. Pippen. And I feel like he didn't say that in the time in the nineties, every time it was like, he was asked this question about Pippen. He would act annoyed. He dismissed it. He said, go ask Scotty. And he wouldn't defend him. He wouldn't say, you know, management needs to do what they need to do to get Scotty, like, taken care of, like, whatever it was. He never publicly backed Scotty Pippen. And I, so I do agree with you. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that he didn't feel loved by his number one partner on his team. So one thing, one thing I think that we're missing here a little bit, 
um, and this whole Scotty, especially in the 97, 98 year when he's cussing at Jerry Krause and he's, he sits out, like he pushes the surgery back and things like that. What happened in that 18 months when MJ wasn't on the team? I think that there's a lot that happened there when it should have been Scotty's team and he was going to be the guy. And I, and it, we haven't seen that in the doc yet. So I hope the doc co- uncovers that. Cause I think it's a really, everybody goes back to the playoff game and they called the play for coup coach and Scotty sat out and was really pissed. I mean, is there more to that or was it just this one moment? And people forget that the bulls were still damn good without MJ those two years. Yes. They didn't win the championship, but the Scotty-led Bulls were, you know, top three or four seeds in the East both of those years. And, I mean, Scotty was pretty fucking awesome, even without MJ. So, I, I the reason that MJ in this these first two episodes, I think, going back, didn't back Scotty and what didn't say, like DC said, like, you know, he, he should get some more money and, you know, ownership should rework his deal, blah, blah, blah. I think he was just pissed that he wasn't playing and he was just like, you know what? This guy's not playing right now. He should have had the surgery, you know, right after the season he's acting. So he said it, he said he was acting selfish and that he didn't, you know, come back when he should have. And, and that put more onus on MJ having to carry this team. Cause he didn't have Scotty with him. So I, I just think he was just pissed at him for, you know, delaying the surgery and not playing those first three, four months, however long it was. Yeah, it seems like the one way to get on Jordan's side, even with the, the ebbs and flows of the doc going back to 84-85 all the way through, is that you play the game the right way, obviously. So if Scotty would have got the surgery champ, I think you might have something there. I think if Jordan would have came out and said, Z, like, hey, Pippen ran this team while I was gone. They were really good. Now I'm coming back because I want to help Scotty get to the brink. That would have helped. And I think, like, if if Jordan just admits, like DC said early on, all of this probably doesn't happen at all. And who knows? We probably have eight chips instead of six. And it, this goes back to the NBA not being very different now than it was in the 90s, right? Like LeBron does this for all of his guys. He tries to get all of his guys paid, all of his guys taken care of. And he does mm-hmm. it in a, in a concerted way so he knows that those guys play for him. But he also knows he has all the leverage over any single team that he would have played for. MJ had the exact same thing. He knew Jerry Reinsdorf wasn't going to let him walk out the door. It's what Michael Wilbon said at the beginning. If he lost MJ, he had to leave the city of Chicago if he, if he lost Jordan and, and Phil. All, all MJ had to do was just give Pippen a little bit of love like, like LeBron does now. And it, it's the exact same thing. He just shoot. He chose not to. Rightly or wrong because, because champ, to your point, he was thinking Scotty was being selfish. But look in the picture. Scotty is making $2 million a year. Hindsight's 2020 because even looking back on how LeBron treated Kyrie in the moment till after. Yeah, pretty, he, pretty I mean, equal. he ran Kyrie over with a bus when they were teammates. And <laughs> yeah, now now he speaks fondly of Kyrie and he speaks fondly of Anthony Davis and guys that he had. But back in the day when he played with some of these, he did the same thing with Kevin Love. I mean, he hated playing with Kevin Love. He talks shit about Kevin Love all the time. So there's a lot of MJ and LeBron, and it, you can see it. And it's, I mean, LeBron's gotten a little wiser as he's gotten older in the NBA, so he's done a little bit better job with that. But there's been times where he has just straight ran over his teammates. And I and I think you, I, we saw some memes of it during during the documentary when you have Jordan in practice yelling at Ron Harper. It was put up against the meme of LeBron yelling at J.R. Smith. And it was That's very, right. very, a very similar situation. And I, I, I get it, but at the same time, he also knows, like, it, it's mostly, it's mostly LeBron taking care of his friends, like Tristan Thompson, trying to get those guys paid. But he also knows to, like, 
how to hold teams like teams and ownerships and in, in front offices accountable to make moves to help what he thinks are going to help make them win. And if MJ now knows that Scotty was so vital to that, I'm sure he knew it in the '90s too. But was Jordan wise enough to admit it back then, or did Jordan think in that moment I can do it by myself? That's what I'm saying. I think that's what I'm looking forward to seeing through the rest yeah. of this footage. No, and that, that's and that's fair. I think that's something you will see. I think you. I think he's uber competitive. Something that we saw with Kobe, we see it with LeBron, we like it, all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, he it's very it's still the same way. Kobe won with won with Shaq. It was very hard to win. With, I mean, he still had Paul Gasol when he won without Shaq. Scotty MJ had Scotty. LeBron had Kyrie. He had Dwayne Wade. He had Chris Bosh. He has Anthony Davis now. Like it's hard to win by yourself in the NBA, no matter what era you're looking at. 100%. And so yeah, I think it, I think it will be interesting to see if that if that rings true the rest of the way. Um, any where other ways you guys want to go? Anything else stuck out to you guys? You guys want to talk about? I had, I just had one quick thought. I was actually really surprised that Isaiah Thomas spoke for this uh, for this documentary because I know. Isaiah has no, he, I mean, him and Jordan have no relationship. I mean, Jordan kept him off the dream team. As soon as he came on the screen, I said to my wife, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe Isaiah Thomas is even agreeing to speak for this documentary. I don't know what you guys thought. I just thought it was pretty strange that he was even on this. Yeah, no, it was definitely shocking. I was talking about it earlier with my wife as well, because she was like, she, we're talking, she was when the, in the eighties era, she was like, well, why it took them 10 years to win or, you know, whatever. And I go, well, they had the Pippin, they had the Pistons in the eighties kind of in their way. They had the Celtics right before that too. And then literally Isaiah popped on the screen and I go, well, there's a reason why. And like yeah. got into it a little bit. It's so, yeah, going to be super it weird if Joe Klein has more appearances in this documentary than Charles Barkley. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, where's Charles Barkley? Like I know him and Jordan don't have a relationship much anymore either, but Barkley needs to be on this. Can, one I other think, side note before I forget: How good does Dolores Jordan look? She looks oh, younger than Michael. Great, really good. I mean, she's got to be what eighty? I mean, she does look great. She had a glow up. Yeah, Dolores looking good. That was cool. That little letter. That was a cool little thing too. I like that. That the, was a nice the Jordan letter to his mom. That was cute. And apparently, everybody calling the Bulls of the '80s the the cocaine train team. Yeah, that oh, was yeah, Peoria I, throwing I, I never, that, that was pretty shocking. I didn't know that was like a thing. I, don't, I mean, whatever. Learning so many fun things about these Bulls back from the 80s and, and into the 90s. Did you guys remember who the hell Joe Klein was when he was on the screen? Because I had no idea who that was. I, I, I immediately thought of Dickie Simpkins when I saw him. Because well, Dickie, Dickie was, was also on that team. He was like that bum backup that never played. Yeah. He was like behind Weddington, so... Joe Klein must have been like the Brian Scalabrini of the like 98 Bulls, where he just kind of chilled at the end of the bench. And when they were up 30, they'd bring him in and maybe the crowd went wild. Who knows? Fun Bill Wellington fact. I, he coached uh, my, my middle school. He coached against me, but he coached met or boys volleyball, not basketball. I believe that he looks like a volleyball kind of guy. He's like seven foot. So he's probably a pretty good volleyball player. Yeah. Does he always rock that facial hair, or was that just like I'm doing this? Oh no, he's he's well, he's the Bulls radio guy now, but yeah, right. he has that that Fu Manchu look at all times. <laughs> Good old Waddington. Who would have thought we would have ended the first first reaction pod of the last dance on Bill Waddington's facial hair? Wait, real quick, can we do winners and losers? Oh yeah, who was the winner? Who was your winner? Who was your loser? 
yeah, Jerry, why don't you start with us? Start with that. So my biggest winner is Michael Jordan to me. I just this is everything that I get to see of him is what I was hoping for. But I expected the ruthless guy that's going to gut you, the guy that's going to murder you to get what he wants. That's the Jordan that I love and I want to see because it just makes me realize that like you could really mentally get to a place and really achieve anything just to spite people. And I love that side of him. And from an early age with his brother Larry and trying to get his dad's approval and how that just stuck with him growing through his entire life and how that's not the same right now with him as an owner, which is a very interesting thing to me that I like want. I don't understand why. Um, biggest loser. It's it's Jerry Krause. I, I don't know how you can come away with anybody else. I don't know if you guys have somebody different, but he is the architect. But then the guy that hit the, the, the dismantle button. Good call, Z. Who are your yep. winners and losers? Yeah, I'm going to start with a loser. I agree with Jared. It's Jerry Krause. I think it's going to be impossible to rate how good of an owner he was. In some ways, he set up an incredible supporting cast around Michael Jordan to win six championships. And in some ways, he absolutely tried to throw it all away to rebuild for an Iowa State Cyclone head coach. Jeez, <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> Come on. Uh, the winner of this all is Dolores Jordan. Did you see how good she looked? One. <laughs> And and two, I mean, obviously she's a quality mother raising such a, you know, an outstanding athlete. And you could see how well, like, you can see that the qualities that her and James instilled in their children, and like, still how highly he talks of his mother today. So I think I think she's the clear winner for me. Champ, I'll let you close this out, so I'll I'll jump in. Besides Michael, I agree with Jared. Winner being MJ. The other winner is Bill Wennington's facial hair. Loser is if it's not Jerry Krause, it's probably Scottie Pippen. Just the way that the second episode ended, he doesn't not the best look, especially when your teammates and your coach are saying you gotta relax a little bit. Not the best look for Scottie. Yeah. We'll see how how things play out there. But champ, close things out. Who are your winners and losers? Uh, my loser is the same. It's Krause. It's gonna be Krause throughout this entire documentary. It's gonna be a literal shit show for his family. I'm sorry that they're gonna have to watch this, but it's definitely Jerry Krause. He's the loser. Do you think? Do you think they're even watching? I mean, they should because they should see what a piece of shit he was as their GM <laughs> and how he screwed this entire thing up for this organization by not letting him run it back for a few more years and making this be the last dance. So they should watch it and they should apologize to America for Jerry Krause doing this to everybody. But my my winner in this episode are Phil Jackson's suspenders. I mean, the suspender <laughs> game that Phil Jackson had back in these days, I mean, they were wonderful. Did you see how many different kinds of suspenders they showed <laughs> just in this week's episode? I wrote down, I think I have, yeah, I have six different suspenders that they showed during this episode. <laughs> Multicolored, he had like, I mean, they were just wonderful. And I, I just look forward to future episodes and seeing the suspender game of Phil. I'm not going to limit it to suspenders. The winner also was just 90s fashion, the very, very baggy suits. <laughs> oh, the suits. The, the top, the go-go gadget hat that Phil Jackson was wearing in Paris, just up and down. The the looks of the 90s. The were beret just... that MJ was wearing in Paris. I mean, I had, I had an MJ beret when I was like nine years old. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I have one more Biggest Loser. What do you the got? guy in Paris, France, that tried to ask for Jordan's oh, autograph, but he's like, oh. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> it was the most awkward moment of the entire scene, and George just sitting there getting like mic'd, and he's just looking awkwardly at the wall. No, he looked because he looks for the security guy behind him to take care of it. Because I'm not telling this guy no. You, it's your job to do it. Come over here and tell this guy did no. You, did you guys catch the fact of the the opposing player on France asking for his armband <laughs> after that game too? That was he like phenomenal. ripped it off him too. <laughs> that was great. It's just it's crazy how big of a superstar he was internationally where people just flocked to him the the set of that paris tv show everybody in chicago bulls warm-up sh- shirts they yeah, just say doesn't even say jordan just a chicago on it yep it's just it's crazy what he did what he does what he did for this franchise and jerry reinsdorf starting with jerry Krause and showing him and phil jackson the door is just inexcusable and here we are with kobe white and zach levine Hello, way to end the show on a positive. <laughs> we'll be back later this week with our normal show previewing the NFL draft. We'll be back Monday mornings with a little reaction to the last dance for the next four weeks as well. Uh, Z is going to be joining us for whatever ones he feels like joining. Special guest appearance gets gets to call the shots uh, for Champ, for Jer, DC. Uh, we'll see you guys later this week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thanks for coming on, Z. Thanks for having me, boys. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be.